Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, a Papua New Guinea fast bowler is banned in a blow to their Cricket World Cup hopes. The PNG Hunters set their sights on a title defence. And Guam's new men's football coach lays out his plans. But first, Fiji Sevens coach Gareth Baber admits issues around player contracts have been a distraction to the players' preparations for World Series events in Australia and New Zealand. The Fiji men finished sixth in Sydney at the weekend after losing to the United States and New Zealand on the final day. Gareth Baber admits the build-up wasn't ideal. Obviously, they were provided these contracts. Yes, okay, there was you know a slight delay in that, but you know it's not. They won't be left without money. They will be paid up from from obviously the start of that contract, which was effectively the the end of the previous contracts. Uh, that were given to them for last season. So um, a little bit of a club, but these, these boys, you know, they, they get on with their job. They have got the contract. They know they're going to get them. It's a matter of the details. And, and that sometimes is sits within any player's uh, season that they are dealing with contracts either for the next season or present season uh, moving forward. So um, I'm confident that obviously we'll get, we'll get that sorted and the players will be in a, in a better situation. They are obviously one-year contracts. When is that term? Does the term end at the end of the previous season or does it run a bit after that? Uh, it runs a bit after the other season, effectively. So, you know, obviously this year from January through to uh, you'll be into sort of October, September, October this year. So they've been presented with the contracts. Um, yes. Are, are they signed yet or does that take a little while? No, I think obviously uh, you know, they, they've, they've been consulting uh, the Players Association. Um, you know, other players around the world would have agents who check that through and check the details of. And that's the situation at the moment. Um, I, I, there, I'm sure there'll be some form of negotiation that goes on within that, but that's natural in terms of ensuring that there's protection on both sides and an expectation is matched on both sides in terms of an employer and employee. And, and on top of that, they are getting, I guess, uh, per diems or you know allowances whilst they're away on tournaments. Yes, that's never changed. Yes, they do, and I know there's been mention of that, but. Players have always been aware of exactly what that is as well. You as a coach, obviously, um, you know, it's a separate thing, players' contracts, coach contracts. Yours, obviously, is up until Tokyo, uh, whereas these players are getting a one-year contract. Is that anything you have a say in? Do you, do you think there might ever be merit in some players maybe having a longer contract if that was possible? Yes, I think so. I think that's, that's obviously what the FIU want to get to as well in terms of the length of contract, especially when it coincides with the cycle of what are the tournaments we play in, but also, you know, the likes of the Olympics as well, where you can... Uh, ensure that you've got those players for a longer period of time. Um, as you said, you know they, they've only ever had sort of yearly contracts in in uh, Fiji, and it's certainly something that um, I would welcome coming into the future. You know, obviously in in terms of getting consistency uh, of of a group of players that you know you can push forward. With. So you get a say, obviously. How much of a say do you get in, in terms of who's get those contracts? Is it a collaborative? Thing oh, I guess, or is it... no, I, yeah, there is a you know, there is obviously communications with the FIU, but. You know, essentially, I'm I'm saying which players I would want contracted at that time. Is there any pushback there from the FAU? The only pushback would be probably be if you know, like any contract, if there was outstanding issues with a player or there was disciplinary issues with a player, um, then that's that's the only pushback you would generally get. But that would be the same all around the world. I mean, you wouldn't have a you know a, an organisation that sign off on a player if there's outstanding issues in terms of discipline and or her behaviour. So, how many contracts can the FAU have in a season? How many players will be signed up? Well, you know, probably around what is practical for a sevens environment to work. But you're probably looking at about eighteen to twenty-two contracts. Anything more than that, then you're paying players that potentially aren't having access to the coaches and aren't having access to resources. So, you know, you've got to be. For me, obviously, it's around that eighteen to twenty-two mark 
Um, you know, you have a core element of about 15, 16, and then you've got about another six or seven which are in the extended squad. And then you might have more beyond that which are, you know, brought into training uh, for specific purposes. But, um, yeah, that, that's, that's what we're working to and certainly what the FIU are comfortable working to. Because in the players that you're working with at the moment, how many of them had contracts last season and how many of them are completely new to that situation? I suppose out of an 18, there would have been about seven or eight of them that had contracts last year. The, the, the rest of them, it's all brand new to yeah, and I guess because you just mentioned earlier, didn't you, about it's quite a young group that you've got. Yeah, yeah. so that's, you know, it's important they get that right. It's important that they're, obviously, they're, they're given the right information um, and they are comfortable with that moving forward because, obviously, that's going to safeguard, obviously, their welfare, but also their family's welfare as well. So when would you expect that whole process to be sorted? Relatively quickly. I mean, when I say relatively quickly, obviously, when you're away from Fiji for two weeks, as we are now, it always makes it difficult, but they were given the contracts before we left. Um, they'll have had had time. They've had some conversations with their players' association, which I'm aware of. Um, I believe that you know when they get back into Fiji, they'll be looking to sort that. We'll be sorting that out in the first week. We're back in there. Do you feel it's disrupted your preparations with the team for these two leagues? Yeah, I think it's disrupted. I don't think that uh, it you know it gets them perhaps you know thinking about other things that they don't potentially need to think about. Um, but they all know now that they've got they've got contracts. Up until this point, some of them wouldn't have been even known that they had contracts. So. That's a big tick for them, is they know that they're going to be part of the group, the squad, moving forward for this season. So um, I think beyond that, it's just uh, you know getting the details sorted and, and, and then being as comfortable as possible so we can, we can carry on with our preparations. That's the Fiji Sevens coach, Gareth Baber. Cricket PNG is backing Nasena Pokana to be back playing for his country by the end of the year after the pace bowler was suspended because of an illegal action. The 21-year-old was reported during an ODI match against Hong Kong in Dubai last month and underwent an independent assessment of his action in Brisbane. The assessment found that all his deliveries exceeded the 15 degrees level of tolerance permitted under the regulations. The Cricket PNG Chief Executive, Greg Campbell, says Pokana will work with the new Barramundi's coach to correct the problem. You know, he'll work with Joe Dawes in the next couple of months and rectify, uh, you know, his action. It's not every delivery. They've identified it's mostly the slower ball that causes a problem. So he'll have to rectify that. But the short time, Joe, he's been there with Jason Gillespie. They picked up a few things that they think they can, can pick up. He did get uh, reported a couple of years ago and sort of rectified that and come through. But it's just crept back into his game. So... Um, you know, we've got to keep Nozliner up and uh, his chin up and uh, everyone goes through it. There's a few reports coming out in uh, World Cricket at the moment of young boys and even seniors just coming up with so many deliveries, I suppose, mate, and, uh, you know, they all just come up with different actions. So, um, look, we still hold high hopes for Nozzer. He's still in our long-term plans and a lot of people will bounce back for this. So he'll, he's a good level-headed boy and uh, we'll stick with him and we'll give him all the support we can at Cricket PNG to get through it. And I'm pretty sure you'll see him back on the stage in, uh, in the next 12 months. And uh, you mentioned that he'd got reported a couple of years ago. So, you know, obviously, as you say, not every delivery, but uh, so it wasn't a complete shock then when this came about again. Uh, he's probably, uh, you know, the more cricket they play, he's probably just gone back to some old ways. And uh, uh, I think it's just a slow ball this time. So he's probably inventing, you know, a couple of more slower balls and you know, the old action might come back in that was there a couple of years ago. But we're pretty confident we can get back through and the figures have come back. Uh, they're not too bad. So um, Joe Dawes pretty confident he'll have them back on the track in six to 12 months. And it could even be before, yeah. When those reports happen, so this was in the ODI Barramundis versus Hong Kong, is it is it made by the opposition team or is it made by the match referee? How does it happen? 
Yeah, mate, no, it's not made by the opposition team. It's usually, I don't think this was even made by the on-field umpires. It was made by the fourth umpire or the third umpire. So that was always queried by us too, because he has played two years uh, since his first report and never, ever got mentioned. And we've played, you know, state games, first-class umpires. So we questioned that, but the report is in and he has been tested and shown that you now the slow ball is a little bit illegal. So we'll have to fix it up and go from it. But it is a strange process sometimes how they do it. For the Barramundis going towards that World Cup campaign, now you've got that qualifying series in Zimbabwe, isn't it? So uh, what does that mean for the team, obviously, losing his uh, ability? Oh, look, he, he loses a bit. We've got Willie Guevara sitting on the sidelines. He's been around for a while and he hasn't played for 12 months through to some little injuries, but he's back uh, ready to go. So we've got enough cover there to do it. The boys will head off on the 9th of February for about 10 days in Brisbane playing um, some second 11 cricket and some uh, Queensland cricket stuff. So they'll be well prepared and then they'll head off to Zimbabwe about the 22nd of Feb, I think, and we've got two or three warm-up games there in uh, in Zimbabwe before we hit the World Cup qualifiers. That's the Cricket PNG Chief Executive, Greg Campbell. The Papua New Guinea Hunters are targeting back-to-back titles after naming their squad for the upcoming Intrust Super Cup Rugby League season. Head coach Malcolm Arum has selected 13 new caps in a fresh-faced 29-man squad. Uh, all men, some new uh, young talent in there. So, you know, uh, they've been in camp for the past six weeks, seven weeks this week. So, uh, they've all been training well and they've passed all the fitness uh, testing and you know, what we require of hunters. So, hopefully, they, they keep working hard and we, we have a scheduled trial game against the Broncos up here. So, it was obviously such a big year in 2017, the Hunters winning the Queensland Cup title, a historic moment and then obviously a strong campaign from the Kumuls which uh, included yourself and uh, obviously a number of the same players as well. Is there any fatigue after such a challenging and I guess time consuming and you know physically draining uh, season? Most of those players that have been uh, in the squad for almost that year, last year, uh, a bit more you know, extra time also. Uh, they can be uh, in uh, not in good shape, but you know they're, they're starting to come back together again. So you know those those senior players that we've got, uh, and also the the new players. Yeah, our main uh, goal this year is to uh, defend the cup, which uh, is going to be a tough one. Uh, you know, we 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 on the target us, so it's going to be a hard start to the season. But we, you know, we play the Broncos and then. You know, obviously we got uh, home game and two away straight away. So at the end, we just wanna make sure we we prepare well, you know, we train properly. You know, we've done a good seven weeks now. So heading into that five game, we wanna just make sure we see how some new players can turn up and you know play against some top players in a in the NRL competition. So yeah. And uh, is it exciting to have new players amongst the squad as well? Like, you know, you've had these guys that have now won a title and whatnot, but there's other people that want to achieve those sorts of goals themselves as well. So, you know, they've obviously impressed you to make the squad and and come in and try and stamp their mark on the team. Uh, a lot of these players have been uh, out there waiting for their opportunity to come in and, you know, be part of the under team. So, you know, it's really just every player's goal to, uh, you know, be in the side. So, you know, all shooting players that are new to the uh, squad, you know, they've been for the season two with the local uh, diesel cup uh, club. So, uh, hopefully, you know, there's got some talent there. So, we just, hopefully, we just put together everything you know, between them and the old players and they can play together and win uh, games there. And so, from my count, looking at your uh, squad that was released, 29 players, 15 were not a part of the squad last year. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, we got 15 that uh, uh, are new again to the uh, comp. So, you know, we, we sort of do that all the year. 
you know, with every every superstar, you know, with we, we also look at you know which players are they can be good for us, you know. Uh, we, we probably try and local competition up here once until around uh, April, end of March. So, you know, we probably we still keep an eye out on you know looking at those other players, but you know, 29 and you might cut it down back to a 26, 27. And of course, one of those players that wasn't involved last year is Adam Coravay, who a former captain of the team with plenty of experience. So is it, is it good to have him back in the squad? Yeah, he, uh, he spent a, a season down there in uh, Ipswich. Uh, he just played local uh, league down there, but he, he purposely went down. He was just working in a farm. And there was an opportunity for him to uh, go and uh, work and earn some money for the family. So, so I allowed him to go in. And now he's back now. So he's, yeah, he's one of our experience uh, forwards in the side now. The Albert boys obviously are over at... Uh, uh, over in the UK, and, and and obviously they're at the club now that, um, of course, Kato Otio was going to as well. So uh, obviously very sad circumstances around Kato, and I'm sure that's something that's still affecting uh, you know players in your team too that were very close to him, and, and you know you guys all were, I guess. The Wellington uh, Albert was supposed to he was kind of always Kato, Kato Otio, you know Kato, you know didn't make the trip, so you know Sendon Albert was. You know, offer that contract to go. So, you know, really fortunate for the witness side to have one more of our players go away with. And he, he was good at his brother. And they both went together. So, Kato was uh, just a separate. We sort of uh, disturbed our training a bit. But, you know, we, we, that's all over now. And we're uh, now back in training. You know, we, we, we've all spoken. It's probably a good lesson for everyone to uh, off the uh, this case here. Yeah. Uh, and, and just looking at some of the names there, I, I can't see Israel Aliab's name. Is he, is he left as well, is he? Together with Ben Ababu, uh, yeah, they, they both didn't turn up uh, for their uh, first day. Uh, and also, in, you know, no messages, nothing. You know, we, we were busy organizing uh, everything. You know, as soon as players, you know, expect, you know, them to be, you know, a bit more professional they do. But, you know, and, and after that, we, we uh, sort of find out, found out uh, that they're trying to get employment. So, you know, we sort of allow them to do that, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, just move on with, with, with the other players we got. So, yeah, so they probably might go back and play with the uh, diesel cup sides. And, you know, if they keep playing well there, uh, they will call back into the side. So, uh, but we just didn't want uh, to wait any longer. So we, you know, always uh, in the process of the time we had left. So, yeah. Is there a chance that any of the players in this 29 squad could still get picked up somewhere else overseas? Uh, is it a possibility, is it? Yeah, it's a few uh, I've got uh, interest from uh, the uh, UK clubs especially. So uh, at the moment, we just, we just, you know, we're still not certain about which, what's going on. But, you know, they're training with us uh, and uh, we just all belong to any more players. So. That's the PNG Hunters rugby league coach, Michael Maram. The new coach of the Guam men's football team says he's looking forward to working with players of all ages and developing a strong pathway through to the national side. The former Scottish Premier League defender Carl Dodd was appointed Mattel boss at the end of December, having previously worked as the high performance manager for the Brisbane Raw. They had had some success, they're looking for that. But the more I spoke to Belinda about the program and, and what was required, that was probably what was more appealing about setting up you know, that production line of players so they have a continual production line again for them at now. So it's, it's the whole program that we're overseeing, and which is good because if I'm just coaching the men's national team, there's not that many games in a year. And I need to be getting So we have the, the AFC qualifiers as well, the under-23s coming up or next year for the Olympics and then the new age groups as well. 
So the really, I guess, the thing that really uh, enticed me was the fact you get to oversee the whole program and, and get it up to the level that I, that I would like it to be at. Will you be coaching all of those age grade teams going through, or is it just, I guess, about being that that top person and I guess having influence, as you say, on on the program? Yeah, I'll be coaching the Macau, and I'll probably take the Olympic age group, and then the ones below that will have other coaches. It's basically, really just training up staff as well, players. Uh, sorry, coaches on the island and, and other staff on the island training them up to the level that we're up to, you know, letting them take the range in regards to that. So there's a fair bit of training to go ahead. And, and what are your initial impressions? You've obviously, um, you know, as you say, you've been in Guam, you've been uh, there for a week effectively, so um, no doubt you've obviously probably had a visit there before, but um, what, what do you know and what do you still need to learn, do you reckon? Probably just doing a review of the program that's in place. There's a fair bit of work to be done. Uh, Facilities-wise, it's not too bad. They've got two artificial pitches and a, a grass one that we're trying to get lights on. But the GFA is, has also been working on other facilities. So we're also working on trying to align with a few other uh, stakeholders, I guess you could say, and get more facilities on Guam or training pitches. That seems to be a bit of an issue is actual fields with light. So we're just trying to get that up and running. But um, everybody, as you can imagine, in the Mattel is, is willing but once they get started, get back to work. They've had a bit of a break, so I'm keen to get started as well. They all seem to be good people and they want to do well. And it's, I guess it's a similar kind of mentality to Australia regarding that underdog tag as well. Yeah, so you've obviously got a, a number of local-based players there. Uh, the, the off-island ones that are playing professionally or based offshore, have you had a chance to get in contact with any of them since um, you know being appointed? Not yet. I'm, so I've just completed the database of all the players. So then I'll start that process of reaching out to all the, the relative age groups, so the ones off island. I'll get in contact with the ones on the island. I'll speak to a couple of them. And uh, Carl, uh, uh, you've got a bit of coaching experience. Um, obviously, you've had uh, roles with the Newcastle Jets, Brisbane Roar in the past, and Western Pride there in the Queensland League. Uh, how, how would you describe your coaching style? What's your footballing philosophy? Coaching style, I like to be facilitated. I think the players have got to drive it. Yes, I set the framework and, and give the intent, but they're the ones on the field making the decisions. So I guess it's up to my, it's up to me to make them good decision makers and problem solvers. In terms of playing style, definitely on the front foot. I'm not one. I don't like taking a backward step. We get out there, play intelligent football, try and score as many goals as we can, and obviously defend. I don't like conceding, so that's that's a given. I don't like trying to concede too many. Yeah, I guess I take a very positive mindset. I think when we play football. Now, in terms of the Mattel, the, so the first, you mentioned obviously there's been a bit of a break between matches. I think, you know, Darren Sawatsky, your um, predecessor, had I think one tournament with them, which was a while ago now, and you're obviously the new man in charge. So that that East Asia Round One tournament, that's that's the next major thing, is it? That is. We're still waiting on the on the fixtures for this year. This year is a, is a final year for the national teams. So yes, unfortunately, Guam hasn't made the finals for anything. So. We're just waiting for the Macau as the East Asian Cup. So we're just waiting on the fix. We still haven't got the fixtures for those for them either. And then the under-15s are also playing this year. So they're our two focuses for this year, but obviously preparing the Olympic age group for the year after as well. And in terms of the Macau, do you know when... You're waiting on the fixtures. Do you know when, what time of year they will be? The rumour is either 
just before the World Cup or maybe after it. We're penciling into our schedule and trying to prepare for but as you can imagine, it's hard to plan when we don't know when the game is. Yeah. Is there any prospect of uh, any friendly matches and any upcoming international windows? Or I guess that might be a little bit too soon. You're just getting your feet under the desk, no, so no, to speak. No, no, we want to run it properly. We want at least two friendlies before each tournament. And uh, we'll have a camp in the US. A lot of the players are based as well to have a look at the overseas the US-based players and get them up to par as well. That's the new coach of the Guam men's football side, Carl Dodd. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.